This is the Apex United Methodist Church podcast. The past couple of weeks, we've been starting our new sermon series on tipping points. Those times in our lives when we find ourselves filled up to the point of, with the Holy Spirit that it flows over into our lives and into sharing with other people. And we have been visiting the um, characters in Acts who have had opportunities, very instantaneous opportunities, when the Holy Spirit has come to them through another person. So for them, it has been an instant when the Holy Spirit has filled them up and overflowed. So this morning, as we begin to um, continue that sermon, series, I want you to remember that last week when we talked about the Ethiopian eunuch, that uh, Philip was the one who God used. And this week, we're going to see that a man named Ananias was the person God used to bring a tipping point to um, Saul. Our sermon this morning, our sermon scripture is Acts 9, verses 1 through 19. And so I invite you to hear the word of the Lord with me. Meanwhile, Saul was still breathing out murderous threats against the disciples. He went to the high priest and asked him for letters to the synagogues in Damascus, so that if he found any there who belonged to the way, whether men or women, he might take them as prisoners to Jerusalem. As he neared Damascus on his journey, Suddenly a light from heaven flashed around him. He fell to the ground and heard a voice say to him, Saul, Saul, why do you persecute me? Who are you, Lord? Saul asked. I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting, he replied. Now get up and go into the city, and you will be told what you must do. The men traveling with Saul stood there speechless. They heard the sound but did not see anyone. Saul got up from the ground, but when he opened his eyes, he could see nothing. And so they led him by the hand into Damascus. For three days he was blind and did not eat or drink anything. In Damascus, there was a disciple named Ananias. The Lord called to him in a vision, Ananias. Yes, Lord, he answered. The Lord told him, go to the house of Judas on Straight Street and ask for a man from Tarsus named Saul for he is praying. In a vision, he has seen a man named Ananias come and place his hands on him to restore his sight. But Lord, Ananias answered, I've heard many reports about this man and all the harm he's done to your saints in Jerusalem. And he's come here with authority from the chief priest to arrest all who call on your name. But the Lord said to Ananias, go. This man is my chosen instrument to carry my name before the Gentiles and their kings and before the people of Israel. I will show him how much he must suffer for my name. Then Ananias went to the house and entered it. Placing his hands on Saul, he said, Brother Saul, the Lord Jesus, who appeared to you on the road as you were coming here, has sent me so that you may see again and be filled with the Holy Spirit. Immediately, something like scales fell from Saul's eyes, and he could see again. He got up and was baptized, and after taking some food, he regained his strength. 
This is the word of, of God for us, the people of God. Thanks be to God. Sometimes it's hard for us to remember <clears throat> that Saul wasn't really all bad. <laughs> he was a Jew, just like Jesus was. He was a very devout Jew. He prayed, he knew the scriptures, he obeyed the laws. But he saw what he thought was still a dead and buried Jesus as a sham. And he plotted, therefore, to destroy the followers, the only ones that were left. Now that Jesus was dead and gone, all he had to do, he thought, in, honor to, in order to honor his God, was to now destroy the followers, and all would be well. And so on that day, he headed out on his mission. And there he encountered God in a vision. And in that light, he fell on his feet, on his knees, and he heard that voice. This particular translation and many others that we read this morning say he asked, who are you, Lord? But other translations say that he said, who are you, sir? And so we think that he didn't really, was, was not really calling Jesus Lord because he was his Lord at that time, but sir, who are you? And so Jesus told him who he was. What an interesting and exciting and terrifying and awestruck time that must have been. I don't know whether you can imagine what that must have felt like, but it's really kind of hard for me to, to feel what that might be. You know, we have friends and maybe even some of you who in their conversion point in their life can still state the exact time and place and date where they decided to accept Jesus as their Lord and Savior. For me and for others, it's been a process. And so I don't know where you are in your tipping point and in your conversion experience. But for me, it's been many moments through my life when I was aware of being filled with the Holy Spirit and given some... Um, direction as to what I might do. But the most recent one I remember was when I was in divinity school and I was a senior and we were facing this awesome task of writing a senior synthesis paper, which of course I knew nothing about. But basically we were to tell the story, our faith story, but then to bring in as many things as we could about what we had learned in school. So it was a daunting task, and I was worrying about what I was going to say and how I was going to write it. And as I drove to school, as I often did, I would listen to Christian music. And there was a group called Sela that I liked very much. And on that day, um, the, the hymn, It Is Well With My Soul, came on as I was thinking. And when they got to the third verse, I really had to stop and pull off the the road and weep because for the first time I think I really understood what Jesus Christ meant in my life and it says my sin oh the bliss of that glorious thought my sin not in part but the whole the whole is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more praise the Lord praise the Lord oh my soul and for a girl who was raised in a family where there was lots of stuff going on that was not really good, 
and in a, to be raised in a family where there was divorce, and as you probably know, there are many children in divorced families who feel like if they were just a little bit better, and they didn't cause any trouble, and they tried really hard, that they could make that marriage work. There's always kind of this feeling of, um, of uh, guilt. You know, what could I have done differently? But on that day with that song, it occurred to me with a conviction that I've never let go that every single sin of mine, not in part, but the whole, is nailed to the cross and I bear it no more. Praise the Lord of my soul. And so I wonder, how is it for you? Is your conversion experience, did it happen in an instant like with Saul? Or is it a process? And I wonder, where are you on that dusty road that Paul traveled. Then we need to think about after the encounter. We know that Saul was blinded and he waited and he prayed. He fasted until he encountered Ananias. Now Ananias was a person whose name we never hear but this one time in the whole New Testament. And yet what an important part he played. He was a believer and he knew how to listen and to hear the word of God and he was willing to act. He was fearful, though, but Jesus told Saul that he would find, uh, told uh, Ananias that he would find uh, Saul praying, not persecuting any longer, and so he went. Saul abandoned his long, dusty road for God's path. Later, he would recount to the Corinthians about that day, I saw the glory of God in the face of Jesus the Messiah. And in that instant, Saul was transformed, baptized, and filled with the Holy Spirit that tipped over into all the ends of the earth. Like Saul, our paths are sometimes filled with heartache and suffering. And in my difficult times, there's a little hymn that I promised not to sing, but it's in our book. And it says, Turn your eyes upon Jesus. Look full in his wonderful face. And the things of earth will grow strangely dim in the light of his glory and grace. So what? In every story in the Bible, there's a so what? Well, at once Paul began to proclaim, not to persecute, but to proclaim in the synagogues that Jesus is the son of the one true God. The church enjoyed a time of peace, Acts tells us was strengthened and encouraged by the Holy Spirit and grew quickly. One of my favorite authors who writes devotions, Oswald Chambers, says this, In one second, Saul was turned from a strong-willed, intense Pharisee into a humble, devoted slave of the Lord Jesus. Now listen to this. Jesus never insists I obey. But if I don't, I begin to sign the death warrant of the Son of God in my soul. When I stand face to face with Jesus Christ and say, I won't, woe be unto me. The vision, the tipping point, the response. I wonder, how are you responding when the Holy Spirit comes to you? Sometimes along this road of of traveling to get to the place where the Holy Spirit fills us up and tips us over. We are discouraged, and we lose hope, 
Just like those disciples that we heard about in John who believed at the time they went on that fishing trip that the man they had followed and hoped in and believed in for three years was dead and buried. They did not yet know that Jesus had arisen. And so they returned to that laborious life that they knew before he came. And they went to that sea, but they were disheartened and they were discouraged and they were hopeless. And so they took their small nets and they cast them into the shallow waters, hoping to find just a few fish. And yet Jesus appeared, and he instructed them to cast those big nets into the deep waters where they would find the biggest fish. And that's what they did, and it made all the difference. It takes only an instant to be transformed, and it really is a matter of spiritual life or death. Dietrich Bonhoeffer says this, When God calls someone, he bids them come and die, die to their own dusty path and live to his. He bids them come and die. So it was with Saul, so it was with Ananias, and so it is with us. When we truly understand, my friends, that nothing in this world, no relationship, no material wealth, no goal, when, not, when we realize that nothing in this world is more important than our personal relationship with Jesus Christ, then we can obey. Then we can pray, fill me until, Christ, till people shall see Christ only always in me. So that's the story of Saul's conversion. And I wonder what your story is, whether it was an instant whether it's a process. Where's your path? The long, dusty road? Or that road of sometimes difficulty and suffering that leads to the most glorious time in your life when you're actually living as the Holy Spirit fills you up to live? Let us pray. Open our eyes, Lord that we may see, open our ears that we may hear, open our mouths that we can proclaim, and open our hearts that we may share the truth that you would have us bear. We wait for you silently, Lord, ready to see your will. Illumine our path, Holy Spirit. Amen.